For any sized gift before Ash Wednesday, February 22nd, we'll send you my 2023 Lenten devotional booklet. Make a secure online donation at thewordendoors.org or make your check payable to The Word Endures and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. And we'll send you my new devotional booklet for Lent. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. That door, people loved by God, is so narrow that there's no room for you to carry any of your own works through it. The Weimarische Bibelwerk of the 17th century quotes Luther on this. These are the ones who struggled to get to heaven with their works without faith. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the Gospel of St. Luke. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. In our previous study, we'd seen Jesus yet again heading into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. So great is his love for the word of God. And while there, remember he noticed a poor woman who had a disabling spirit that had afflicted her for 18 years, bent over double, couldn't even straighten up. Think of severe back issues. Well, he notices her and calls her over to himself and tells her that she's freed now from her disability. And then he laid his hands on her and she was able to stand straight up and she began glorifying God, maybe with the Psalm of Thanksgiving. But remember that this massively irritated the ruler of the synagogue. Rather than being happy for her, all his thought was that Jesus had just broken a cardinal rule, no working on Sabbath days. Jesus lets that man have it with both barrels, as it were. He calls out the man's hypocrisy and that of any there who agreed with the ruler's critique of Jesus. Jesus points out that everyone there, if they had an animal, will water it every single day, Sabbath or not. And from the lesser, he moves to the greater. How much more fitting was it that this woman, a daughter of Abraham, be set free on the Sabbath day from her long affliction? Thus, he shamed those who criticized him, but the people all rejoiced at the awesome deeds he was doing. The continuation of the Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter, beginning at verse 18. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And he said again, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. He went on his way through the towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Luke 13, verses 18 through 24. 
Let us pray. Grant, we beg you, Almighty God, to us and to your whole church, your Holy Spirit, and the wisdom that comes down from above, that your word may not be bound, but a free course, and be preached and taught to the joy and edifying of Christ's holy people, that in steadfast faith we may serve you, and in the confession of your name abide to our end. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So, you ready to think your way through today's passage? Let's dig into it. Verse 18. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? Well, we need to remember how very off the thoughts of the Jews in the first century were when it came to the matter of the kingdom. They were expecting that when Messiah was enthroned, he'd be sitting on a glorious throne and ruling an earthly kingdom, rather like the glory days of David and Solomon that were by then nearly a thousand years in their past. And make no mistake about it, Jesus is headed to Jerusalem to be crowned king, but it will be a crown of thorns he'll wear and to be thrown in glory, but it's going to be the glory of the cross. And that is how he will establish his kingdom, which will have no end, not externally, not politically, but internally and spiritually in the hearts of men. So when he searches around for some analogies that might help folks get how very different his kingdom is going to be, he uses two extended analogies from their everyday life where something small is hidden and then reveals its presence by turning out to be far bigger or more effective than seems reasonable. The key, I think, is the hidden nature at play in both similes. Here's the first, verse 19. It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. The kingdom is like a grain of mustard seed. If you have some mustard seed in your kitchen, you know it's pretty tiny. But if you take that tiny seed and plant it, well, something outsized grows from it, right? In the garden, from the planted mustard seed, a little green plant will first pop out of the soil and it will grow and grow and grow until it's a rather sizable plant, big enough even for birds to make their homes among its branches. And all that from that tiny little mustard seed. So the kingdom. Think about it. Jesus is headed to Jerusalem where, like that seed, his body will be planted in a garden, in a borrowed tomb. And yet when the sun rises on Easter morning, he will no longer be planted in the earth. He will be raised and he will begin gathering his church to himself. And though it starts in little, it grows and grows until it finally fills the earth. If you can sort of picture this like one of those time-lapse videos, you'll see what I mean. Watch from above as the church experiences her growth. First, this person, and then that being baptized into Christ, gifted with saving faith by the Holy Spirit. And like a plant blooming before your very eyes, the church spreads. No, it's not at all like what so many at the time of Jesus were expecting, but it is so much greater and bigger. And yet for all that, it remains fundamentally hidden, doesn't it? I mean, you can see the person being baptized, but no one sees the hidden work of the Holy Spirit knitting their hearts and faith to the Savior. Now, in a way, 
Jesus' analogy here recalls the great dream of Nebuchadnezzar in which the great image was toppled by a little stone cut without human hands, which then became a great mountain and filled the earth. Daniel specifically interprets that as the God of heaven setting up his everlasting kingdom. See Daniel 2 verse 44. So from little to huge, from hidden to finally revealed, that's the path of the kingdom of God. And its hiddenness will finally be completely removed only at the appearing of the Lord Jesus. Jesus gives a second analogy, verse 20. And he said again, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? Verse 21, It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. You know how leaven or yeast works. You mix it in and look at what happens. It raises the dough. Though you can't see the yeast, you can see the result of its presence as it shows itself effective. St. Cyril of Alexandria explained it like this in the 5th century. The leaven is small in quantity, yet it immediately seizes the whole mass and quickly communicates its own properties to it. The Word of God operates in a similar manner. When it is admitted within us, it makes us holy and without blame. By pervading our mind and heart, it makes us spiritual. We receive the rational and divine leaven in our mind. We understand that by this precious, holy, and pure leaven, we may be found spiritually unleavened and have none of the wickedness of the world, but rather be pure, holy partakers of Christ. Now, yes, the great father intentionally mixed his metaphors here because in Luke here, the leaven is good and positive. Whereas in St. Paul, it's equated with the presence of pride and of error. See 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9. By the good leaven of the word, then, we are joined to Christ and escape pride and arrogance. And again, his word is hidden in our hearts and minds, and it does its work in a hidden way, which nevertheless shows up visibly. Verse 22. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem toward Jerusalem, that is, where he will be planted like a seed in the garden and then be raised toward Jerusalem from which he will dispatch his apostles to carry the leaven of the word out into all the world. So once again, Luke reminds us that all this transpires as Jesus is on his way to his suffering, death, and resurrection. Verse 23, And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? There's probably not a one of us who hasn't wondered about this, right? I mean, on the one hand, you see those massive visions of the whole church gathered together in Revelation, and it's beyond number. But then on the other hand, well, as Jesus said in the previous chapter, we feel very much like a little flock, 12 verse 32. When we look at the powers of unbelief that surround us and would happily overwhelm and totally wipe out the name of Jesus, we get why Luther, the great 16th century reformer, would pin that marvelous paraphrase of Psalm 12. O Lord, look down from heaven, behold, and let thy pity waken. How few are we within thy fold, thy flock by men forsaken. True faith seems quenched on every hand. Men suffer not thy word to stand. Dark times have us o'ertaken. A huge pity. That piece is not in our current hymnal, by the way. But there is a danger in all this speculation, isn't there? It's a question of curiosity. And instead of wondering about the number of God's elect, which is in God's hands, Jesus redirects the person to their own salvation. Hence, and he said to them, verse 24, 
Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Jesus moves from speculation to effort. He tells the person who asks, and we all ask, that we are to strive to work hard at entering the kingdom through what he calls the narrow door. That door, people loved by God, is so narrow that there's no room for you to carry any of your own works through it. The Weimarische Bibelwerk of the 17th century quotes Luther on this. These are the ones who struggled to get to heaven with their works without faith. As the old hymn puts it, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. That's the only way anyone gets through the narrow door. You got to drop all your work and be clinging to Christ alone and his work for you. Now that's where we're going to stop for today which is kind of an odd spot because we're right in the middle of this saying of Jesus. So next time we'll hear him explain further that the door into the kingdom, it's not permanently open. It will be shut by the master of the house. And then when people start pounding on it, he'll tell them he never knew where they came from. And they'll try to convince him to open the door because after all, they knew him. We ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets but he sends them away with the stern charge to depart from him. All you workers of evil. Jesus will add that at that moment, they'll have to watch Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the prophets sit down with people from all over to the great feast while those banging on the door are excluded. So Jesus concludes, the last will be first and the first last. Till next time, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures, and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.